Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast, episode 28 with Kenton of Funkit Toys. Hello. <laughs> I'm so excited that I get to talk to you. You're in D.C., yes? Mm-hmm. And here I am in Missoula. We're both bundled up in coats because we're in similar but different cold spaces. Yep. And I want to talk to you about Sex Geekdom and your merchandise, how you became a toy manufacturer. So are you ready? Yeah. Let's do this. Woo! First, a shout out to our Patreon supporters. They are so amazing. If you go to patreon.com slash explanations podcast, you can become one of them too. In particular, Laura Schuster, Paul Nixon, and the Millers make it possible for this show to happen. And so a special shout out to all of you. Thank you so much. So very, very much. All right. So Ken. Me. How are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. It is a good day. You identify as a sex geek, true? Yeah. How did you learn about sex geekdom? From you. you. Yay! Yeah, I, I saw the interview with you and Kate McCombs, and I was like, oh, there's got to be a sex geekdom in D.C., right? And there wasn't, so I was like, well, there's got to be a sex geekdom in D.C., and I started it. <gasps> oh, you started a chapter in D.C. Yeah, I haven't been running it super consistently recently, because Fun Kit Toys took off and takes up most of my time but it's uh it's a fun thing that i do mostly in the spring when people actually show up yeah fun kit not funk it (laughs) fun kit yeah it's like um the other the other company that i've noticed has a problem with this is enjoy i always pronounced it enjoy because it's spelled like just enjoy like j-o-y but no greg pronounces it enjoy and uh, okay cool i'll go with that so you started watching sexplanations closer to when it started and two things happened one you saw the episode with kate on sex geekdom Mm -hmm. and decided to open a chapter and then you decided to start manufacturing sex toys yeah um i'm not totally sure the chronology of that i uh i heard about you know sex geekdom from you and uh, started going to like sex education conventions because I was like, oh, hey, this is a thing that I can like actually do, and these are things that are happening. So I went to Catalyst Con, and then that year I also went to Woodhall and just met a lot of really cool people. And I had already started the Sex Geekdom by then. So I uh, met my other emissaries, the ones from like New York and Indianapolis and all over the place, and they're all super cool. So then I just, uh, learned all the things and (laughs) absorbed as much knowledge as I could. And I'd already studied sex toys a bit, just like in advance of buying my first one years in years before. So I knew about materials and stuff. And then I was at that point in a relationship with someone and we'd just opened it up and I met someone who was into butt stuff, spanking, anal, whatever. And I didn't have any toys for that. So I did some research and I found the, uh, the Tantus plunge. It's a, paddle with a dildo for a handle and i bought that and it said shipping time seven days and i went i don't want to wait that long so (laughs) i made my own paddle and then i thought this is interesting but i have an idea and i made another one and i made one for a kinky friend's birthday party and i just kept making them for a while you know just improving on the design and eventually me and said friend are sitting up in studio 58 uh 
a now defunct uh, sex club in Frederick, Maryland. And someone walks up and goes, hey, those are really nice paddles. And I go, oh, thank you. I make them. And he goes, oh, how much do you sell them for? And I look up at this guy and go, sell? And mm. so I started an Etsy store. And a while later, I started messing with silicone because I really wanted to try that out. And it was an interesting material to me. And after about five, six months of messing around with silicone, I had a couple designs and started the company, Fun Get Toys. And it's from then I've been doing about a toy every month and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and they're beautiful. And we've been talking about them for the last month or so on Sexplanations podcast because you have been so generous with supporting us and making sure that our Patreon supporters get some of your toys. Yeah, look yeah. forward to more of that soon, by the way, because the No Frildo campaign went very well. Oh, yes. Can you tell everyone about the No Frildo campaign? So one of the things that I realized when I first started making silicone toys is, one, I was going to have to charge a rather large amount for them to make it in any way profitable. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's cool making, like, all these really beautiful, like, exquisitely crafted toys. I love getting all the little details right and making them look just right and then printing the mold and having it come out and be beautiful. I really enjoy that, but it is expensive and time-consuming and takes a lot of design effort. And I wanted to bridge this gap where, like, one of the... There's a store, for example, that some of my friends work in that has the Body Safe toys and has the education stuff, but they also carry a small selection of jelly toys, which are, you know, not super great for you. Mm -hmm. And their reasoning is that you kind of have to meet people where they're at. You can inform them of the risks and, like, let them know, like, you can get these, but here are some of the problems with them, and then let them make their own decision. Mm -hmm. And, like, the main benefit of jelly rubber is it's super cheap. So for a lot of people, the option between getting something that's maybe kind of harmful, like in their minds maybe, like we know about mm -hmm. it, but getting something that maybe is maybe kind of harmful, but you can afford right now versus, so like an $8 jelly rubber dildo versus like a 30, 40, 70, $100 silicone toy is, uh, there's a big gap there, especially yeah. for something that's like, it's not proven, they've only just found out about this. So I've wanted for a long time to make dildos that could compete with jelly rubber in relative price point. And so over the last year and year and a half, year and three quarters ish of working with, well, no, it's been two years I've been working with silicone now because I started before I officially started the company. Um, I've been coming up with little ways to decrease the cost. So. I designed things so that they'd be easy to extract from the mold. I found a really inexpensive silicone compared to my other silicones and just put all these different things together to reduce cost until I had a dildo that I could sell pre-orders for $19. And so it, when it's officially released, like once I've filled all the pre-orders, it's going to be $24. I've got several stores lining up to get them, including uh, the one I mentioned before that some friends work at that carry unsafe toys. So they'll, like, as part of my goal, they will have that option to say, so you can get this or you can get this thing, which isn't really that much more expensive and is safer. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. That's really cool of you, Kenton. Yeah, it's been a goal of mine for a long time. And 
I was expecting it to get, you know, maybe a little over cost so I could afford to buy the big silicone kit and then ship everything. And I ended up raising 3600 some dollars on so this project. So you were at maybe, the last time I checked it, you were at 400%. Yeah, it was 465% we got to. That's great. Oh, yeah. I love that. So can you tell me the sequence of a toy manufacturer's dreams? your goals over time? Oh, for me? Um, so I've hit a couple of them, which is like make an inexpensive option, actually turn a profit, start paying myself. Those were nice, really like those. <laughs> um, like the initial investment I threw, like I basically just threw my savings at the company. It was like around $2,000 I initially put into the company bank account to feed whatever I ended up costing. Mm -hmm. And I never had, except like uh, paying for a hotel at a convention, I never had to throw any money in after that. It just sort of uh, fed itself and then started paying myself back that initial amount over the course of the first year and a half. And it took about $10,000 of spending and selling before it broke even. So but it's now you've that. Done it. And then, so goals after that, I want to, uh, I want to support more sex positive creators. I want to like help mentor other people who want to start doing what I'm doing. And I've talked to like people on Twitter who are looking to get into that. I want to uh, reach out to like more cool people with more ideas and help them get that off the ground. I'd love to uh, get the signet made one of my little baby pet projects that I've been working on most of the time I've been in business and really just go wild with more ideas and maybe hire someone to do my accounting for me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like the the business management side isn't really my passion. So I'd love to be able to get someone to do more of that so I can do more of the design stuff I love. So if you want to check out Kenton's Signet or other products, including the paddles and toys that are body friendly and universal fun kit toys dot com. Yay. F-U-N-K-I-T-T-O-Y-S dot com. Yeah, that's exciting. And I love your logo because basically Kenton takes the N and fun and he turns it on its side all kinky-like and it looks like fuck. <laughs> the, uh, I have a lot of different influences in my company. Like I, I do all my own product photography because I studied photography. I do all my own like web design and stuff because I taught myself how to do that. Like I do the 3D modeling. A lot of the safety and design aspects come from my culinary school background because I learned how to make things safe and make them easy to sanitize. And then also I was a graphic designer. So, of course, I had to make myself the best logo before I could ever possibly start a company. And so I did. And I'm really happy with it. It's so cool. It's so smart. Yeah, no, I'm very excited for you. And it's obvious, you know, we're both sex geeks. We're super into this, the processes behind it and pleasing the people, mm -hmm. knowing what we're doing anatomically. You know, it's so good. So um, what would you like to tell everyone? Because I can keep asking you questions, but is there something that you want to tell? I don't know. I mean... You know how, like, the classic question for people who create stuff is, like, oh, how do you, what's your process, that kind of thing? Yeah. My process is learning things and messing up. <laughs> like, there are some, uh, I do a design every month. Some of them got pushed out. 
Like, they just kind of, this is what I had, and I went, you know what, I'm going to put it out in the world, and, you know, if no one buys it, that's fine. There are a couple of models no one's bought any of. Whatever. Like, it's an idea, I had it, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And so with those, like, I'll go back to them later when I have some time and look at them and go, is this salvageable? Can I put something into it? Like, most of making stuff is failing over and over and over and over and over again. And if you're going to do anything cool, you have to not be afraid to do that. Well, that's incredibly profound. <laughs> I'm on your yeah. website right now. Can you tell me which toys haven't reached the market effectively? Oh, um, are you them? on the toy gallery page? I am on the shop page. Okay. Uh, if you go to the toy gallery, there should be a link toward the top. I like the um, cobalt jellyfish, too. Actually, no. You have one of them. The squeeze, the little, like, rainbow plug that looks like a little finger going up and tickling the prostate. Yeah. No one's bought one of those. It's, um, I've since redone the design, but I think I'd have to make it out of a firmer silicone for it to really work the way I want it to. So, yeah, you have one of my uh, lovely little failures. Wait it's, a uh, it's like cyan magenta swell. Oh. Is so beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one's super nice. That one came How? out really well. I made it probably last month. I only finally got it up into the store recently because I've been busy with the No Frill, though. Oh, my gosh. Those are two of the pigments that I make myself, too. It's beautiful. Thank you. I, mean, I think what I love about it is that it has the look of Pyrex glass. Yeah, my, uh, my work is definitely a love letter to glass toys. Glass toys are so pretty, and it ended up working out that I could make something that looked kind of like them. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you did very effectively. And then they're just cooler than glass because the suction on them, however you designed it, is so strong that you can put the two toys together and then you're making all sorts of toys. Yeah, I just discovered a thing. Um, the, the paddle I make, the SWAT paddle, it's like textured on one side and flat on the other. If you attach it to the, um, the vibrator mount, the pommel, I, I make a, a vibrating a bullet vibe holder that you can attach to any of the toys for like either strap on play or just rubbing against your vulva, whatever. And if you attach it to the um, the paddle, the whole paddle vibrates. And I've I've pointed out on the the store that the paddle can be used as a stroker, like you just wrap it around the penis and it works. So you can make the whole thing vibrate, and it still vibrates even if you have it wrapped all the way around. The whole thing is just and it's great. It's so much fun. Like I figure out new combinations all the time. Wow. Wait, I'm looking here. I'm so distracted by all the colors. Where's the one that holds the bullet? I'm not sure I have one in the store right now, oh, okay. but it's it's called the Pommel. It should be, um, I released it last November, so it's roughly 12, 13 toys back in the toy gallery. Jellyfish. <laughs> jellyfish is so much fun. What's the, umber? The jellyfish is a flogger that I make that you can attach to any of the toys and just hit people with. The cool thing about it, there's a couple of other silicone floggers, but I think they're made of a more dense silicone. This silicone I use is really stretchy. So if you attach it to, like, say, the swing and use that as a handle, you can hold the swing in one hand and pull the uh, the tendrils of the jellyfish <laughs> back like a slingshot and just hit people with it that way. And it still sticks. It's great. So fun. Yeah. Okay, what about the umber? Uh, the umber is a, uh, an attachment for the Doxy Magic Wand. It just goes over the head. It also works. I've tested it on the uh, the Magic Wand and the Magic Wand Rechargeable. 
Um, and there's anything in, with a similar head size, it'll still fit on and work snugly. Wait, but it's um, it doesn't look like it's hollow on the pictures. Oh yeah, the uh, the inside uh, isn't really shown in the pictures. It's a uh, I tend to mix the colors in more thoroughly with that one, so it doesn't. You can't like see the inside of it. But, so uh, it's a cup that goes onto the head of a magic wand. Yeah, basically, and it's got um, it's got kind of a wide um groove for large phalluses like a penis, and a narrow one for smaller ones like a clitoris, and then it's got a wavy, bumpy side and a big flat bit you can stick a suction cup to and attach anything to, or just get a really wide area of coverage. Oh, I see. So the part that is marked with your logo is really the side of it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's uh, where the suction cup attaches. Or you can just get that big, wide, like, two-and-a-half-inch circle to deliver vibrations through the whole thing. I think you're a genius. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I have so much fun with this. It's my favorite job. What did you do before this? I have worked in restaurants. I'm a trained and certified chef. I've done retail, basically, uh, and, like, moved furniture around. Lots of uh, less interesting things. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad that you're doing this now. The world needs you. This, and this paddle, this pride beat one, is so pretty. It's yeah, so pretty. the rainbow paddles were nice. I still have a few left in the store. Yeah. There's rainbow paddles left. You're a smart man. Okay, so your process is a lot of learn and fail or learn and try. What does it actually look like, though, to make these? Can Are you allowed to say the recipe? Well, what am I going to do, fire myself? <laughs> it's, uh, I tend to, for some reason, like, when I have ideas, I don't, like, sit and sketch things out and, like, do various iterations of maybe I can improve this this way. Maybe ideas for like designs and stuff tend to pop in my head fully formed without any preceding awareness of them. So like for the more complicated things, I'll go, okay, but I need the exact dimensions and I'll figure stuff out that way. But mostly stuff pops into my head and then I immediately put it into the 3d modeling program and sculpt it. And then from there, uh, because I 3D print my molds, I can have a prototype in just a couple days. So it goes from my head into the the program and however long it takes to sculpt the idea, depending on how complicated it is, to the printer. And the printer takes like between 16 and 48 hours, depending on the size and complexity of the design, to print the mold. And then I pour in a quick test silicone that cures in like half an hour, pull it out and go... Is this what I want it to be? And if it is, then I smooth the mold out and I have a new toy design. And if it's not, then I make some tweaks and try again. Mm. So, yeah, the reason I'm able to do a new toy every month is because perfect world, it takes three days. So do you have uh, like a subscription based uh, what is it called where a person can sign up and they get a toy every month automatically? It just charges their card. I do not because depending on like the size and the complexity of the toy, they I charge different amounts for them. 
Mm-hmm. You know, some of them weigh as much as four times as much as the others. So it's a matter of materials and stuff, and I haven't figured out how to set that up. I do offer kits of toys that go together well, and I call them fun kits. And I came up with that joke before I actually launched the company. So it was very exciting when I had enough toys out that I could actually, like, put some together. Yeah. Um, and also I have the uh, one of my things on the Patreon is for, like, $19 a month you will get some new, like, small, not like a full dildo usually, but, like, some weird sensation play thing while I'm messing with a new material. But that's um, that's likely going to be a little haphazard over the coming months because it's the uh, workshop where I was learning all sorts of new cool things. Went bankrupt and closed, and it may reopen soon, but there's some, like, kind of sketchiness about that. So I don't have access to a lot of the tools that I was making weird new things with. So there's probably going to be some silicone stuff over the next few months. And then hopefully I'll figure something out. Like the first month I made um, a necklace that had varying lengths of brass spikes that you could use for sensation play. You know, like play a game with your sub where you have them blindfolded and you like scratch them with one of them. They have to guess which one it is. It's like four different ones. And uh like the next month I made a I laser cut a Wartenberg wheel like the the pinwheel of spikes mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that people use with interchangeable heads God. so you could have different numbers and lengths and pointinesses of spikes depending on what you felt like and it folded up as well it, it looks like like a wooden handled straight razor with a pinwheel that can fold in and out oh my gosh and you have no more of them I have three more of them that I haven't quite bothered to upload into the store, and then I have one for myself, because of course I do. Of course you do. I'm going to sign up for that. That sounds so fun. It's it's pretty goofy. Getting Kenton art every month? Yes, please. I like it. So if I'm understanding correctly and uh, effectively sex geeking out here, you have an idea that's almost fully formed in your mind about how you want the three-dimensional toy to look, and then you mm-hmm. plug it into a program, which you somehow know how to use. That's awesome. I've and, been doing computer-aided design in one form or another since I was, like, 13. So, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I really lucked out. Uh, the county I live in has an amazing and very well-funded school system and good art classes, so... Yeah, yeah it's uh, Okay, so then you sculpt it through this program, come up with a mold, print it with a 3D printer, also really nerdy, awesome. That takes a f- few days a day to... Yeah, it can take between, like, depending on the size, like, 12, and I have a mold that took, like, 52 hours to print. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay, then you print it. You see if it's what you want. If it is, then you make it soft. You pour a quick silicone, a quick drying silicone into it. Yay, yay, yay. If it's not, oh, nope, I got the steps wrong. You pour the quick mold or the quick silicone into it. Then it comes out. Then you decide if that's what you want. If it is, then you smooth out the mold and make it perfect. And if it isn't, you try again. Yep. And then when you come up with what you want, want, then you use, uh, are they beads? Am I understanding correctly? Silicone comes in tiny little beads, and then you melt it no, down? No. Um, silicone comes in a two-part liquid 
Um, harder silicones come in like a gum and a liquid, but uh, the silicones I work with, there's one that's uh, very syrupy. It's like it pours kind of like thick molasses, and then the other one's much waterier, and you mix them together, and it, it stiffens up too much to like pour and slosh it around after about an hour, and it uh, totally solidifies after 24 hours. I also have another one that's too um, even, both very similar liquids that you mix together 50-50. Wow. How do you do it so precisely? I have a very precise scale. So you're measuring weight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... um. The one I use for most of the fun kit toys is uh, 10 to 100 by weight. I do uh, grams because baking, like if you bake in grams, everything comes out better. So I learned to do it that way. And yeah, it's uh, this lovely little scale that I got from a company I love. They're called American Way, like (laughs) W-E-I-G-H. And it's beautiful and I respect them so much uh, just for that. But also they make pretty solid scales. And uh, yeah, so I pour in, I have like this big thing that I built in a, into a cabinet. I built a, basically a desk, an enclosed desk space that I have filtration on and have positive pressure to keep the dust out of the silicone. Mm-hmm. It's got like a salvaged computer fan and a like the filter for a vacuum okay. on the side of it. Yeah. And then I mix all the silicone in there and I have the vacuum chamber that I built in there. And then just this big five gallon bucket of silicone with a tap on the top on its side so it can pour directly into the into a pail on the scale. And then I manually dump the thinner silicone into it. Silicone comes in on the two parts. One has like the uh, the platinum catalyst, and the other has the vinyl group into it in it. And then the catalyst, once mixed in, will cause the uh, the dimethicone to crosslink and polymerize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Silicone is very much like plastic, except it has a silicone molecule instead of like a carbon-based polymer. It's really interesting. What's the reason that we think it's body safe? Because people do a lot of tests on it and decide, uh, let me, actually, I know a lot about the tests. So the silicone I use is considered uh, food grade, food safe by the FDA. And what that means is that the company that makes it has sent it to the FDA and the FDA has immersed it in water, alcohol, acetone, and oh, ethyl alcohol specifically, and oil. And after a certain amount of time, if hazardous amount of any kind of chemical has leached out of the silicone in any of those substances, then it's not safe for food. And as you can imagine, like if something was leaching out of it in any of those four things, it'd be a problem. So it doesn't, and that makes it food safe. Well, a common misconception I've noticed is that a lot of people believe that silicone, like there's something about the material that makes it medical grade, like you can make medical grade silicone. But what's really happening is someone's making a silicone and, you know, not adding any anything that speeds up the process or whatever you add to silicone for various other properties that is harmful. And then it's getting tested. So medical grade isn't like a type of silicone. It's the amount of testing it's gone through to certify that it is medical grade. And also medical grade silicones have to be made in a clean room. But like most of the uh, the certification of silicones, it isn't about um, it isn't some specifications that you make the material to. It is the material meeting certain guidelines through rigorous testing. So silicone being safe, um, 
is because it's body inert. It does it doesn't interact with the body, and nothing's been added to it for whatever properties that will come out of it and be harmful. It's a silicone molecule and a couple of methyl molecules on either side interacting with platinum to form long chains with uh, some kind of chloride cap on the end. It's either chlorine or chloride. And because of the chemistry and how it all goes together, it just it doesn't interact with the body. So when we manage to make something like that, that's always super cool because there's all sorts of things that are very toxic to us. And uh, so silicone's nice because it's not. And it's also soft and strong and has various interesting material properties like being thermally very stable. You can freeze it. You can put it in the oven up to a certain temperature. So it's great for food service stuff. Wow. I like how knowledgeable you are. I do a lot of research on this because initially because like I was curious, but then also like blogger, sex toy bloggers and stuff started asking me about this stuff. And I went, oh, I actually don't know that about it or like what makes it this way. So then I do even more research and go, oh, hey, this is this is okay. So that's why that's this. And you know, whatever the question is, if I if someone asks me something I don't know, then I let them know, like, I'm not, not actually sure about this, but I'm good at doing research on it, and I've found a couple good resources, or, you know, maybe I'll call someone at a silicone company and ask them. Yeah. Ooh, so wonderful. So can you explain the science behind not being able to store silicone toys together or using silicone lube with silicone toys? Uh, yes. The first one is largely debunked. Um, I think a lot of early silicone toy manufacturers were blending silicone with other things, and that was causing the problem. But, like, I have right next to me a very large, like, four foot by two foot chest full of silicone toys and they're they've just been piled on top of each other they're not wrapped up or anything and i have no reason to believe that they will ever cause each other any problems <laughs> um i have a box of like really like toys from the beginning of the company that i messed up like while i was still learning to do silicone and mix in the pigments and stuff that are for one reason or other, either they've got a bunch of bubbles in them or whatever problem is. They've been in that box for two years, all touching each other, no barriers between them. And I can separate them just fine. They're not stuck together. They're not melting together. I'm not sure um, what makes silicone interact badly with other things, but it's not something I've ever had a problem with. As far as silicone lube, silicone lube is very interesting. I'm still doing the research to figure out what silicone lubes are not safe and, or what silicones they're not safe with. But with my toys and with platinum silicone, and I've talked to another manufacturer and they've had similar things. When I use a dimethicone lube like Uber Lube or ID Glide, something like that, on a silicone toy, nothing initially happens. But over time, the silicone toy will absorb the lube and grow larger and softer. So I have a jar of science that I've had for a while <laughs> where I made two silicone spheres in the same mold. I kept one outside and I put one, I suspended it as, as much uber lube as I could put in the jar. And its size like grew, it absorbed some of the lube and then stopped growing after a while. It gained roughly 20% in size and like squishiness. So the science behind that is that Silicone is a fairly rigid material, naturally, and the um, the thing that they add to it to make it softer is just dimethicone, 
it's a silicone molecule with a methyl on either side and it's just it's the basics of what would become polymerized like polydimethyl siloxane but it doesn't have the catalyst it doesn't have what it needs to become part of the chain so you add more dimethicone to a mix and it will be softer and it'll also be weaker to tearing you can tear it more easily and there's a couple of other ways that it changes the properties so if you put a stiff silicone toy in dimethicone it'll absorb some of it through osmosis and just grow a bit so the the silicone that i work with and any of the lubes i've tested it against it doesn't get that squidgy like tackiness that some toys do where it starts to break down a little bit mm -hmm. it just it absorbs it and grows so my recommendation for that is don't use silicone on a butt plug if you're planning on using it long term because you won't have the lubricant when you want to take it out it'll have absorbed it all and it'll be a, no fun um but other than that just uh keep in mind that the toy might absorb it it won't be as strong but it will grow a little bit so if for some reason you want to spend hundreds of dollars on tons and tons of silicone lube and dunk a toy in there and make it larger that's a thing that's possible depending on the toy and depending on a number of other factors i don't know the full science of it but it's uh it's interesting it, the the good rule to go by is do a spot test on some unimportant part of the toy like the underside or somewhere on the base just to see how they interact the the toy and the lube and mm -hmm. If it doesn't do much, then you're fine. So you're saying don't you maybe don't use silicone lube for an anal butt plug that is silicone. Yeah, don't use it as like something to pull something back out with and make it comfortable long term. Mm -hmm. And in general, if you want your toy to remain strong and if you want it to remain how it is, like exactly mm -hmm. how it is, it's better to use a water-based lube with it. But in general, silicone lube, like good quality silicone lube and good quality silicone toys aren't going to damage each other like we've seen it with some cheaper ones. You're so informative. I have found there are so many interesting myths out there about silicone. And like some they're they're all based in truth, but they've become these uh they've become much larger than their the actual reason for them. So finding out what actually happens with so many of these things is a lot of fun. Mm. That's what I've been geeking out about lately. <laughs> Excellent. I I am appreciative of it. And I noticed on your last Kickstarter for the No Frills that you are offering for people to come and learn about your product and process. Yeah. Um. So I have a, a workshop that I offered. Um. Someone's contacted me about it since the the campaign where I'll go to a sex toy store or wherever and bring a bunch of the silicone with me and mix up silicone and some and bring some of the no frildo molds and let you pour your own dildo and also like talk about the process of making them and how I design things and just generally answer questions that people have. So I've got like a plan of like what I want to talk about and then I've got the the molds and the the activity for you to bring home your own dildo that you poured yourself which I think I think people would find that to be quite a bit of fun. Oh and, yeah. And uh, then just like try and inform people on how to choose a toy based on its design removing the trial and error because like silicone toys are in general very expensive and for a lot of people buying one and finding out oh this doesn't work for my body is not a great investment mm -hmm. so you know not everyone 
gets a toy from the company to review it and find out how it works for them. A lot of people just have to read reviews and buy it and see if it works. So I want to put into people's hands the information they need to look at a toy and go, does this stimulate how I like to be stimulated? And mm. yeah. have that option out there. Or I think with your toys, they're going to learn new ways of being stimulated. They're going to go, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, there, there's some. Um, I've noticed that the A spot has become much more like well known recently. Like it wasn't talked about terribly much when mm -hmm. I first started doing this stuff. And, you know, it's got its its little niche of people who knew about it and loved it and then a lot of people just didn't and now i've seen it like talked about a lot more i've noticed that this last year people talk a lot more about rimming than they used to <laughs> so that's cool like there there's just there's more it seems like there's more knowledge out there and it's more well known and i think that's awesome let's tell them what the a spot is Oh, yeah. Um, the A-spot is, to be very technical, the anterior fornix. To be less technical, it's um, a flap of tissue just before the cervix on the, the anterior, the front wall of the vagina. So if, like, toward your belly button, if you touch the cervix and then go forward from that, that's the anterior fornix. There's also a posterior fornix. It's just sort of like the part of the vagina, like, around the edge of the cervix, basically. And it's so it's um for some people it's very sensitive for some people they don't enjoy it being touched. It's all about like you know what your you and your body enjoy. So for some people the anterior fornix is really great and it's a really great place to stimulate. And there hasn't been a lot of toy design for it. Like you what, don't uh, think a G spot toy would stimulate it? The anterior fornix is further back, and it's kind of a smaller area. You have to, like, get between the vagina and the cervix a little bit. So it's better, like, G-spot toys tend to be in, like, a spoon or a, a ball or, like, kind of a flat um, kind of hammerhead type mm -hmm. shape. And not all of those are going to be able to really hit the spot well. Because you so, need um, three to six inches of a shaft, yeah. and then you need a smaller head so that it's fitting between the wall and the cervix. Yeah, so I um my one toy that is good for hitting the A spot, it's a, a thick long dildo, but it tapers to about a thumbprint sized and roughly like a centimeter and a half to two centimeter ball at the end mm. that it tapers down to. And that's that seems to be pretty good for hitting the A spot. Nice. What do you call it? Oh that one is called the armadillo. <laughs> I uh, I got into this pattern where I realized that both of my girthy toys were named after armored mammals. There was the Rhino Mark II, which has some like ridges on the back that look like armored plates. So I gave it a little point at the end to have a horn, and it looks kind of rhino-y. Mm. And then I made another toy. I decided I was going to make another girthy toy, a big, long one. And I designed it then i looked at it and i went oh this looks kind of like an armadillo i'll call it the armadillo and then i realized at some point later that all of my girthy toys were armored mammals so then i made the pangolin and it's it's a scaly looking thing and it's big and curvy and fun you must have so much fun testing them yeah like when i have a partner <laughs> especially that's more doable mm -hmm. but uh a lot a lot of times I just ship them off to like professional reviewers and go, hey, does this work? How does this work for you? Can I improve a thing? A lot of them also 
if it's not like designed specifically to hit a spot that I don't know a lot about, like the A spot, then I just look at it and I go, this is the right shape to do this. This is what I want it to be. And then I just release it into the world. Uh, some of them more recently have not been tested, and I mostly save the, the testing process for if I'm not sure about something, if I need to run it against some anatomy and figure out how it works. Mm -hmm. But if I have a partner, oh man, so much testing. It's so much fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I also follow a lot of sex toy bloggers who talk about the excessive amounts of toys that they have and the organization of them and just how that pleasure for most people becomes business. Yeah. <laughs> Are you familiar with um, ninja sexology? No. So whenever the bloggers get together in a hotel, she brings just trunks of toys and... Like, I'm very proud now that several of mine are in her collection because she will take pictures of, like, when she's cleaning the whole lot of them. Mm -hmm. She just dumps them into a bathtub and just dumps the water over them and fills it with soap and has to, like, bulk clean them in a giant tub. And it's amazing. <laughs> so naturally, I had to ask her if she Scrooge McDuck the tub at some point. And yes, there is a photo of her under a pile of dildos in a bathtub and it's just her feet sticking out like it's a just a selfie of her feet sticking out of a giant pile of enormous dildos oh, <laughs> and they're I so colorful and pretty the pictures are beautiful oh my goodness oh my goodness i wonder if i could do that with the amount of toys i have right now just submerge myself in them yeah i mean you've got to try if you can <laughs> Right? I Who can't doesn't? because, like, all the toys that I have piles of are inventory. I'm not going to get naked and sit in a tub with them because <laughs> they have to go to a customer. But, man, do I want to. <laughs> like, this uh, this big thing of no frildos, I had over 100 dildos in a big tub for a while, like, before I had started shipping them out. And you just want to bury yourself in them. You know, anytime you have a big pile of things, you just have to dive into it. And I couldn't. Just add a sweet little note that says, <laughs> this came with this special Kenton touch. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, I mean, as a cisgender male in a sexuality field, there are ways to not be creepy, and that is not one of them. <laughs> well, I hope that the world continues to shift and it can be a place where you can send a photograph of yourself basking in toys and people will know that they've been cleaned and that they're safe and loved and or, or not, whatever. Make yourself a hundred new toys that you can just pile on you. Oh, man, you know what I just realized? Like, I, at some point before I really had enough employment to afford to do this stupid idea, I realized that you can, as an adult, just buy ball pit balls <laughs> and just make a ball pit in your house. Yeah. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. <laughs> oh man that'd be so awesome you know one day when fun kit has a huge warehouse and several dozen employees i'll just have like a dildo pit you can dive into wonderful that'd be so great yep and come out with one in your mouth <laughs> 
I uh, I do not advise that if they're uh, silicone because you can actually dent silicone. I don't know why, but like if you bite silicone, you can leave marks that don't go away. Ooh. It's so sad. It's weird. But like also if that's your kink, then yeah, go ahead. But like I found this out with one of the first ball gags I tested when I started making the uh, the Oracle ball gag. And it's just got these toothy dents in it. I'm like, no, it was so pretty. And now it's bitten up. <laughs> Looks like a chewed up <laughs> pencil. <laughs> so did you figure out a way to work around the teeth marks? You know, I bet if I soaked it in dimethicone, they'd fill back in. But well, I'll have to try that. So no, I hadn't. But now I have. Okay. Keep me posted on how it goes. <laughs> Before um, we end things, let's do some kegels or kegels. Yeah. Main squeeze, squeeze it and then I would love it if you could come up with a extra credit assignment for our audience. Okay. I okay. think I've got one. So I'm going to count to eight and we'll just do some nice, steady clench, release, clench, release. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes. Starting with one. One, squeeze, hold, release. Two, squeeze, hold, release. Three, squeeze, hold, release. Four, squeeze, hold, release. Five, squeeze, 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 hold, release. <laughs> Six, Squeeze, hold, release. Seven, squeeze, hold, release. Eight, squeeze it. Squeeze it, keep squeezing. I got it squeezed. It squeezed. Hold I squeezed it. it. Release. Okay. It's always surprising to me how difficult those are in like a long sequence. Yeah, but oh, if I've been doing them every week like this, and my orgasms are improving. They they really work. Just I'm keep at it, everyone. More on them, like every once in a while, I go. I'm just like you know at a party or sitting at my desk or whatever, and I just my brain goes, "Hey, remember how kegels exist?" And I go, "Well, crap! Now I have to do some of them." <laughs> <laughs> and then I do, you know, wherever I am. But it isn't often enough. <laughs> I'll do them when I'm listening to your podcast. Yes. Then I can get some weekly ones in. Explanations podcast. Okay, so do you have a suggestion for homework? Now you can practice at home. Doctor No gives you sex credit. Yeah. Um. If you have had some idea of a thing that you want to do, something you've been putting off, something you want to make, make it. Do that thing. Hmm. Because so many people, like, I, I run into people all the time who have, like, all these ideas, but they're not doing them. So this is me giving you permission to go ahead and do that. Whatever you've been putting it off for, whether you've been busy with other things, just, just do the thing. You'll, you'll feel really cool about it later. Kenton, that's so beautiful. <laughs> there have been like these pauses in the podcast. So listeners, be aware, like I'm not just sitting here. I'm making cute gestures and stuff, but you can't see them and I'm sorry. Yes, just then Kenton held his face all uh, blushing like it was very charming. Yes. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your supportive explanations for taking the time to sit down with me and tell me about your process 
and geeking out with me over sexuality, our curiosities combined are making the world a better place. So thank you, Kenton. Thank you for having me. Hopefully I can be on the show at some point. Ooh, yeah. Fly myself out there. So explanations YouTube? Yeah. I want to come to you and do... Explore the lab? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's, it's a fun place. <laughs> yeah. Where you make fun kits. Funkits.com. No, funkitstoys.com. Promo code DOE, capital D-O-E, for 10% off. Ooh, yay. That's really generous of you, Kenton. <laughs> oh, wait, That's I'm just making a face when it's audio. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's cool. I hope people shop and fall in love with your products. Special thanks to Complexly for the production, Cinema Studios. Callie, thank you for editing our podcast. And Count Boogie for the jingles. And Cora and Parle, I'm still learning. <laughs>